Well, hello and welcome to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell, and once again today I am uh, flying solo, and uh, Vince is still away, and he will be doing a speaking engagement. I want to give you some of that information here. He will be uh, at Harvest Ministries at 3114 East Sunset Street in Springfield, Missouri, and that'll be December this coming uh, Sunday, December 18th. He'll be at the 1015 uh, and also at the 11 a.m. service. He'll be doing both of those services, speaking at those services. So if you are in the Springfield, Missouri area, uh, please stop by there and hear Vince if you have an opportunity to uh, be there for one of those um, services. I know that he would love to meet you, him and his whole family is there, so you'd really enjoy that. Now, once again, uh, we come to you today with audio only, and so I know I had a lot of questions yesterday about why I cannot see Dave, I can only hear his voice. Well, today, um, you are hearing only my voice. This is Doug Norvell, once again, and you're hearing only my voice because we are doing some um, major um improvement in our studio and so when we come back and we're able to do a video for you we're going to have a huge uh, led wall behind us uh, it's just going to be it's going to be completely different in there and so um, we may be able to get some video tomorrow and and have uh, dave live with video tomorrow i'm not 100 percent sure on that but uh, we're going to try. So anyway, if you just please, um, you know, hang with us, pray for us, uh, pardon our mess, uh, so to speak, because there I know you're probably hearing some construction noises out behind me. There uh, work going on all over this building right now. But this is a long time coming. You know, two years ago we had the the flood during the uh, freeze out here where one of our pipes burst, and so. Um, this has been a long time coming, and we're glad now that we're finally getting this to the point to where uh, we are going to be able to access it, and it, you're going to love it. Just uh, please bear with us. So moving on today, I want to jump right into uh, what our topic is today because um, this topic is, I, I believe that it's a pretty neat topic to look at and see the scriptures and look at the day of battle. And uh, when I say that, the day of battle... Uh, what I'm talking about is uh, the day of battle of the Lord, when the Lord will come and fight for Israel. And so that's what we're talking about today. But um, there are so many stories that are going on right now. We know uh, that when Jesus comes and his feet touch the Mount of Olives and he fights for Israel, it will be at the Battle of Armageddon. So we know that we're still a pretty good ways away from that. And we'll get into some scripture in a little while and talk about that a little bit. But we're already beginning to see things shift uh, within the global community. We're also watching all over the world, anti-Semitism is rising. And the UN appears to, to be already setting up resolutions that could end up leading to the battle over Jerusalem. And so those are the things that I want to talk to you about today. And one of these things hit home, even though I get this from the Jerusalem Post. But I want to read this to you because these are the things that are beginning to happen all over the place. I watched a, um, a news report today from Israel, uh, f from CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network, that showed um, 
how anti-Semitism is on the rise globally, and especially right now in Europe. But this story comes to us from the Jerusalem Post, and it was in New York City that this story happened. So um, this came out just yesterday. It says, Jewish boys were chased by assailants on Avenue J and East 16th Street in the area that is home to a large Jewish community. A group of Jewish boys were chased by attackers firing taser guns and shouting, Run, Jews! Get out of here! in the Flatbush neighborhood of Brooklyn. The local chapter of the Shmira, a Jewish public safety group, reported this on Sunday. The incident took place on Avenue J, east of 16th Street near Flatbush, uh, in an area uh, called Yeshiva and Toro College, Lander College of Arts and Science. So that's where the area was. It's a large area where there's a Jewish community, Jewish businesses, and many Jewish schools and families there. Surveillance camera from this, and if you go and look at this on the um, Jerusalem Post page, you actually see um, where the video footage from surveillance cameras saw this, plus captured the flash uh, from the taser that was being fired at these young boys. Uh, this attack is under investigation by the New York Police Department's 70th Precinct uh, and the Anti-Defamation League in New York and New Jersey tweeted that it has taken note of this incident and is reaching out to their partners in law enforcement for more information. So just wanted to kind of make you aware that these things are happening even close to home. A couple of years ago, um, a few of us there, we were at our general conference in Indiana, and we met a young couple that was from um, Israel, and they were living in New York, but they were at our conference there in Indiana, and we got to talking to them, and they were saying, they were telling us uh, how much anti-Semitism they were dealing with in New York City, and it broke my heart because, I mean, you know how much End Time loves the Jewish people and, and how much we believe that we need to be blessing them. And so it's heartbreaking to see these things happening, but we've had, you know, reports of people, um, celebrities and uh, rappers and all kinds of people who have made anti-Semitic uh, comments about the Jewish people. And so, you know, some believe that that's why these things are on the rise. The thing about it is the Bible does tell us that there is coming a time, and that's why we bring these stories to you because they're relevant for what we see is getting ready to happen in Bible prophecy. And so Scripture tells us in Matthew 24 that uh, this is 24:15. It says, When ye shall see the abomination of desol uh, desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then let them who be in Judea flee into the mountains. So we know that there's like another Jewish holocaust that's coming. It's going to start with the abomination of desolation. When the Antichrist stands on the Temple Mount and declares himself God, something about what he says is going to spawn this attack on the Jewish people. Don't know what it's going to be, but this area that we're talking about there uh, is the area of the West Bank. And so we know right now that that is um, Judea, Samaria, where the Jewish settlers have uh, settled into those areas. And the Word of God tells us that we're going to see that. That's how we've always known that there was going to be a two-state solution. And so we've always understood that from that scripture. After that abomination and desolation, the great tribulation is going to start, and it's going to start with the Jewish people. 
When we come back from the break, we'll get into a couple more stories, and then we're going to get into some scripture. So stick with me. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME. Or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Welcome back. Um, before the break, we were talking about um, what's going on there in New York City where we've had these young men that were attacked and um, they were tased even by some attackers there and we talked about it being on the rise and why they may be some some of the things that are happening are happening on a global scale too it's not just um, you know here in New York City it's not like that's the only place this is going on it's going on all over the world um, but one of the things that uh, we're seeing we're seeing the UN begin to do some things um, you know we've talked about before we've talked about um, the article two three three four which was what made the um, Settlers that are out there in the West Bank, it was um, what the uh, UN, whenever they took that and they voted on that sanction, they made those uh, settlers out there in the West Bank, they made those war criminals. They're saying that they're occupying that land and um, that that's illegal, that they're doing this illegally and they're occupying Palestinian land. But we'll get into that in a few minutes too because I wanted to show you that that's not the only thing that um, the UN General Assembly has been up to lately. Uh, Just the other day on December 8th, um, I started receiving news that um, there was a vote that had gone out in the UN and um, they basically told Israel they would have to give up their nuclear weapons. So this comes uh, from the article 
and this is actually the blaze put this out. The UN General Assembly demands Israel surrender its nuclear weapons after a 149 to 6 vote. Only a handful of countries supported Israel's right to nuclear self-defense in a recent UN vote. Um, Additionally, the resolution called for the Jewish nation to renounce possession of nuclear weapons and to to assent to the non-peripheration of the Nuclear Weapons Treaty, uh, thereby placing all its nuclear facilities under comprehensive internal atomic energy safeguards. Okay, so... That's a lot of big words right there, but think about what they're doing right now because this same group can't even control Iran and what Iran's doing right now with their nuclear weapons. Iran won't even let the UN come into um, these facilities to study them and make sure that they're doing things within guidelines of uh, creating this uranium. And so now you've got the UN threatening Israel and saying that they need to go back to this non-peripheration of nuclear weapon treaty. And so um, only six countries voted against this. The the UN General Assembly demanded that Israel agree to accede to the Middle Eastern Nuclear Nonproliferation Treaty without further delay and not to develop, produce, test, or otherwise acquire nuclear weapons to renounce their possession and to place it all under the safeguard of nuclear facilities under a full scope of the International Atomic Energy Agency safeguards. Israel, India, Pakistan, South Sudan, uh, were these are countries there that have uh, nuclear capability that have not signed on to this treaty. Israel's never formally acknowledged to having nuclear weapons, uh, but it's kind of like an understood thing. Uh, they never actually came out and said that we have it, but we've also heard of what they call the Samson option, which would be an option to where, if you remember the story of Samson, he brought the house down and died with it, and that's basically what they call this option, and that's what everybody believes is this nuclear um, weapons that they would use if they were attacked, and it looked like all. Oh, uh, hope was lost. And so uh, one of the things this article says is that former President Jimmy Carter told MSNBC in 2014 that Israel had more than 300 nuclear warheads and uh, leaked emails from former U.S. Secretary of State Colin Powell indicated the nation had at least 200 nukes in its arsenal. Um, so these things have been leaked out at, at one time or another and the world community has caught on to it. Uh, the resolution calling for Israel's disarmament, disarmament was advanced by none other than Palestine and various other countries, including Egypt, Jordan, Morocco, Sudan, and the United Arab Emirates. The Jerusalem Post reported that the six nations that opposed the resolution were Canada, Israel, of course, uh, Micronesia, Palau, and the U.S. and uh, Liberia. So uh, the only one, you know, there's Canada, Israel, and the U.S. that we really even probably know where those are. But um, the Ukraine, which voted with the Palestinians in an earlier vote, this time they just decided they wouldn't vote on it. Uh, The U.N. General Assembly uh, voted on this also back like the preliminary uh, pact on this was October 28th, and that's when 
Um, the Ukraine voted with the Palestinians on that, but this time they didn't. And so anyway, these are, are things that are going on right now. And the, the thing about this is they've got, um, you know, they're talking about this risk of uh, war in the Middle East, but they didn't even focus on uh, Iran in this meeting when they were having this meeting. Nobody talked about Iran. Nobody talked about what Iran was doing. And yet Iran continually um, puts out threats to Israel and the United States as well. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's been tweets lately, if you've been following up with those Twitter files that have been being put out, where um, the Shah of Iran there, he had, or the Ayatollah Khomeini, actually, he tweeted on his personal tweet about the destruction of Israel, and his account was never taken down, and he continues to do things like that, and it's never been taken down. But there's other people who uh, they say were um, pushing terrorist threats and they were taken down. And you all probably know who I'm talking about. So anyway, if you're following that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's just one of those things where the U.N. is kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth and they're not really um, at this point, you know, even able to do anything. But they want Israel to give up her weapons while their enemy has been massing troops in Syria, okay, and building bases in Syria, transferring weapons to these bases in Syria, and working toward developing nuclear warheads. And remember that this is a, a place that killed 300 of its own people for protesting the death of a young lady that refused to wear a head covering. And so this is that country, and they, they're not talking about Iran at all and what they're doing and the threats they're making, but they're telling peaceful Israel who's over there and not, you know, trying to annihilate its enemies, they're trying to build peace with people, and they're telling them that they've got to get rid of their weapons. And the reason why this story to me is important for us to, to stay with because we know that Iran is actually going to be one of those nations that come against Israel in the Battle of Armageddon. And so that's in Ezekiel 38, um, verse 4 and 5. It says, And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaw, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army and horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, and all of them handling swords. Verse 5 says, Persia, it says it actually names Persia, Ethiopia, uh, Libya and with them and all of them with shield and helmet. Well, folks, Persia equals modern day Iran. And so we know that Iran's going to be around during the time of the Battle of Armageddon and they will be one of those nations that come up against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. And so that's why it's concerning that's why we're starting to see things shape up. You know, Revelation 13 tells us about that one world government. It tells us about uh, the the dragon going after the woman Israel. So we know all these things are going to come to pass, and we're beginning to see these things uh, being set up. These resolutions right now, they may not be able to enforce them, but one day they will be. So I want to move to my, my third and my final um, news story today just because I want you to understand the things that are going on. So we got anti-Semitism going on in the United States. We've got this resolution for Israel to give up their defense mechanism of being able to defend themselves and to be a deterrent against other nations to where they're not coming after Israel. And then we've got this coming up. So 
this year, or actually uh, 2023, will mark uh, Israel's 75th anniversary, okay? Uh, 75 years since the UN um, voted to give Israel back her homeland and, and allow Israel to become a nation there uh, in Israel again. And so um, this story right here, it came out a few days ago. It was like uh, the 1st of December when this came out. But it just kind of stuck in my crawl a little bit because it made me upset with what was going on and what the UN is beginning to do. So this comes from uh, CBN News. Uh, Jerusalem, Israel, the United Nations General Assembly passed a resolution Thursday by a 90 to 30 vote to commemorate the Palestinians' Nakba, the day of catastrophe, and it's coinciding, folks, with the 75th anniversary of the birth of modern-day Israel in 1948. So what, what God blessed Israel with, with a nation and being able to have this nation, the Palestinians have now... Uh, gone in and got the UN General Assembly to vote and tell them that they can have this day of catastrophe that coincides with the birth of Israel as if the birth of Israel was a catastrophe. This is the way that the Palestinian people look at Israel. And so this is one of those things, folks, that it's it's hard right now to see how are we ever going to get to this peace agreement that's going to bring peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis? People ask all the time, you know, how we know that's going to be a peace agreement there. Well, the thing is, is that right now we're seeing um, the two peoples that fight over this land, the Palestinians and the Israelis. They both claim that they have stake in this land. Um, but we know from Scripture who has the right to this area, God told Abraham back in Genesis 15, uh, 18, he told him that everything that he could see from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, was to be his and his seeds. And so we know that that land belongs to um, the uh, Israelites and that Jerusalem is their capital. We've told you many times before, there's over 30-something scriptures where uh, the Lord says, I shall write my name there in Jerusalem. And so uh, the UN passing this is just like another slap in the face to Israel. Okay, and I talked earlier about that uh, resolution 22 or 2334 uh, that states that the Israelites living in uh, Judea are war criminals. So right now there's not a lot that can be done about that because the UN really has no teeth. Uh, because as long as um, the U.S. has veto power uh, in the U.N., they won't really be able to do anything. Remember also that we know that the eagle's wings from Daniel 7, uh, 4 are not mentioned in that one world beast in Revelation 13, 1 through 4. So something's going to happen there. And this is kind of what, you know, I, I understand that right now for us not to be involved in that, I think something's got to happen to take us completely out of the UN or uh, to have our veto power taken away. So there's like five permanent Security Council members uh, that have veto power within the UN, and they're the five victor nations of World War II. It's the United States, the United Kingdom, uh, France, China, and Russia. And so they all have veto power. But already, folks, people uh, with the invasion 
of the Ukraine from Russia when they went into Ukraine, there was discussion about uh, the UN doing away with veto power because they really couldn't do anything to Russia uh, with Russia having veto power within the UN. And so they're like, okay, well, what do we do with these nations if they go rogue? And so they talked about, you know, taking away that veto power. Now, if that ever happened, uh, then we're really the only ones. I mean, you, you heard the list of people that were standing up for Israel a while ago. It's very slim to none. These are little nations besides Canada and, and the U.S. and Israel uh, that, that usually stand up for Israel. And so once that veto power is gone, there's not a lot we can do. And if you remember earlier this year, we had King, um, King Charles said, he made a comment that they were going to have to have a military force that could enforce uh, the global warming uh, doc, uh, doctrines and things upon these nations that would not uh, submit to that. So he's already talked about getting a, a military force up that could do things. So there is going to come a time when the UN is going to have iron teeth. Daniel 7, 7 tells us that this world government will have that. The fourth beast that Daniel saw, which we believe is the revived Holy Roman Empire. It says, After this I saw in my night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. And it devoured and it broke into pieces and stamped the residue with its feet. And it was diverse from all the other beasts before it, and it had ten horns. Well, we understand that in Revelation 13, uh, that that beast is all mixed together now and this ten-horned beast with the great iron teeth are part of that one world government. But those eagle wings aren't there. Now, of course, we believe they are in Revelation twelve fourteen, helping Israel deer in the great tribulation. And so these are studies, you know, that you can go back and look at uh, on our endtime.com webpage and see some of the studies that explain all that. But when we come back, here in a minute, we're getting ready to go to a break. And so when we come back from that break, I'm going to get into uh, what happens at the Battle of Armageddon and the times that God has stood up for his people. He's fought for his people. And the rest of this message is going to be looking at some of those scriptures and seeing that our God is an awesome God and he's going to fight for his people. So stick around. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. 
The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Okay, so welcome back. Let me just remind you the reason why uh, we're only getting audio. This is not a replay. This is a live audio uh, program today. Our studio is being um, completely remastered. It's going to be awesome when you guys see it. It's going to have a 40-foot LED wall. We're going to be able to show graphics on there. It's just, it's an amazing thing. I was in there with some of our technicians today looking at it, and they were setting some things up. We are going to attempt to do a video from there tomorrow, so Dave's show may possibly have him in there, and you'll get a glimpse of it, but we're not ready to give you the full uh, picture of everything yet and let you know everything that's going on. It's kind of a surprise. It's going to come after the first of the year, so hang with us. Have patience with us, but this is a live program, and um, I just wanted to remind you of that. Now, I'm getting ready to to really move through some scripture here because um, I, I wanted the first part of the program just to kind of uh, show you the things that are going on in the world and how the UN is already shaping things up to where it looks like we're taking more steps even toward the Battle of Armageddon, things that they'll be able to come back to Israel at some point in time and be able to say, you've been breaking international law because you've been doing this and because you have nuclear weapons. We we know that this is all going to come together at the Battle of Armageddon. And um, at that battle, all those nations will come against uh, Jerusalem and the Lord will come back with the armies of heaven. They'll come with him and his feet are going to stand on the Mount of Olives. And the the Bible tells us some wonderful information about God fighting for his people. So understand that when the army comes back, we'll talk about that in a second too, but this is going to be after we've been resurrected, uh, we will come back with Jesus. Uh, I know Pastor Baxter always talked about he had already put in a request for horse number three. So uh, be looking for him on horse number three. Uh, but we can start today. I want to start here at Revelation 19 because it's a great place to start. And we can understand some things that are going on there if we look at Revelation 19 together. So Revelation 19, I'm going to start in uh, verse 11. And John saw... A heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which uh, were in heaven followed him up upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it should he should smite the nations, and he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness 
of the wrath of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now notice that this army that comes with the Lord is wearing fine linen, clean and white. So who were these in fine linen? Well, Revelation 19.7 tells us who this is. This is how we can understand who's coming back with Jesus when it says the armies of heaven. Revelation 19.7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. And uh, for fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So it tells us right there who this army is that's dressed in fine linen. It's the bride of Christ. It's the saints. So the army of heaven is the saints and the bride of Christ, and we come back with them. In Zechariah 14, also talking about the same battle, the battle of Armageddon, starting with verse 1, it says, Behold, for the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Verse 3 says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as he fought uh, in the day of battle. So, I want you to remember that scripture. We're gonna, that's what my main focus is going to be about today, um, that the Lord will fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley and half of the mountain shall be removed toward the north and half toward the south. If you remember, there's a great earthquake in Revelation. Uh, it talks about this over and over, this great earthquake. So that's, I believe that's talking about that same earthquake. Verse 5, And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, and the valley of the mountains shall reach into Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And get this, and the Lord my God shall come and all his saints with thee. So we've got the same thing happening in Revelation 19 that's happening there in Zechariah 4 as far as the saints coming back with the Lord. It tells us right there specifically that that army that comes back are his saints. So there's some scripture there that you can use to help people understand who that army is that's coming back with Jesus. It's his resurrected saints. And remember that's happening there in Revelation 19 and Zechariah 14. All right. Now, let me take a breath for a second and let me uh, slow down a little bit just to kind of explain. I want to land there in the Zechariah 14.3 where it talks about the Lord fighting. One day, I uh, Dave was doing the program and I was in the chat and I was monitoring the chat. And somebody asked in there, when has the Lord ever fought in, a, in battle? And that really, it struck me as odd because the Lord has fought many times in battle. Uh, maybe it's not like we imagine or like we can, you know, think in our finite mind, but the Lord has fought battles for his people forever. And he's He's not going to stop. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to stop being who he is. So 
Um, I'd like to spend uh, the rest of this program, and, and once again, I apologize that we're not taking phone calls today because we don't have the capability right now to be able to do that since we're just doing audio only, and so I do apologize. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to remind everybody of some of the battles. There's so much in the Bible that I, I won't have time to go over all of them, but there are some good ones, and I picked out some of my favorite, and so I hope that um, you can just follow along and, and uh, this can be some of your favorites too. They may be already. But Exodus 14, so uh, this is when the Hebrew children are fleeing from Egypt and the entire Egyptian army uh, is pursuing Israel. There's like 600 chariots and all of the horsemen of Pharaoh uh, and Israel's got their back to the Red Sea. So you know what happened. God parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel walk across on dry land, right? Then Pharaoh pursues after them with his entire army. And then God closes up the Red Sea on the Egyptian army. So, I mean, if you don't believe that that's God fighting for his people, I don't know what to tell you. But I'm gonna, I want to share something with you for a second too. The time that we're in right now is a very strange time in this country. And a lot of people are wondering what in the world's going on. The Bible tells us that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, I believe that the Lord has told me out of the mouth of two or three witnesses that there is coming a Red Sea moment for us, that things will change and shift at a time when we don't think they can, and we will know that it's God and God alone that's going to do this. I've had three different pastors speak into me and tell me that there's a Red Sea moment coming, and I believe that the Lord is telling us that we need to hang on, we need to have faith, and we need to keep praying and keep seeking God and keep doing uh, the things that we know are right uh, because God's going to take care of things. I just threw that in for free, so that's not going to charge you anything for that. That's that's free information there. But I do believe that the Lord has uh, really laid that on my heart three different times, and I believe what the Lord is telling us. So let's look at Exodus 14 uh, real quick here. I'm going to read uh, verse 25, and it says, And... Um, And the Lord took off their chariot wheels that drove them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. They understood as they were going into this and and their chariot wheels were flying off that I don't know how God did it. I don't know if they got stuck in the mud and they came off or if God hit them with lightning or how God did it, but they understood, the Egyptians understood that the Lord was fighting for uh, the Israelites. They knew it. And and it says so right there in verse 25. Uh, Verse 30 says this, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So right there, Scripture tells us that God was the one fighting this battle for Israel. And so there's a lot of times, folks, where I feel like we're when we give you this information that we bring to you all the time, we talk about the church going through the tribulation. I know there's people that that's not what they've been taught their whole life, and they may not believe that, and that's okay. We've talked about that. 
uh, not being a salvation issue. But uh, there are scriptures that, to me, are very clear that show me that we're going to go through some very hard times. Not just us, but Israel as well. And God has always been there for his people. And the Lord tells us over and over to stand firm, uh, to stay strong, and to just keep our focus on him and his kingdom and his righteousness. And he's going to give us all the things we need. And so we we need to have that kind of hope. We need to understand that even when uh, it looked like people were against the greatest odds that they could ever be against, God didn't let them down. He showed up and he showed out and he saved his people. And so um, I believe that he's going to do this again. He's going to be with us during the times when we're going to need him. And he's definitely going to be there for Israel because we just read it in Revelation 19 and Zechariah. All right, so another story that I really love, and we got enough time to look at it, I think. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. We'll look at some of it. Joshua, uh, this is uh, after the children of Israel have lost Moses and uh, and Joshua is now taking up the mantle and they're getting ready to uh, go into the promised land. Uh, but there are these great walls of Jericho. And so they're getting ready to, to go in there and face this huge fortified wall. Now remember, spies have gone in there. Um, they've, they've dealt with a harlot that was in there that hid the spies. And uh, you know, all all this story is taking place, but they're getting ready to go in and God's getting ready to set some things up for them. And um, in Joshua 6, 1, it says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hands Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty man of valor. Now God is telling uh Joshua this he's telling them I've already delivered this to you so he's letting them know that you know you don't have to be afraid of what's coming because I've already given this to you and it's uh and ye shall uh, compass the city and all you men of war and go around about the city once thus shall you do this six days and seven priests shall bear before you the ark and seven trumpets of the ram and the horns now I'll have to finish this when I come back Uh, But hang with me because I'm going somewhere with this and I want you to understand that the Lord is still fighting for us. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. 
Okay, I'm going to jump right back into where we were in Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 5 here. And it says, And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, and all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Now think about what they're being told to do. This is they're a, a military power, but um, I mean, really, <laughs> what's happening is God's sending the band out. It's like a football team, you know, they want to get in there and play the game, but the band's playing at halftime and they can't get back out there on the field. But God uses this to show the children of Israel who is really winning this battle for them, that it's not them, it's not what they're doing, but it's God Almighty himself. He told Joshua, I've already handed Jericho to you. And when they blew these trumpets and the people shouted, the walls blew out from the inside out um, to the ground, fell to the ground. And Israel had a great victory there. So uh, another wonderful example of what God did. Now, also Gideon has always been one of my favorite stories in the Bible because of the fact um, that uh, a lot of ways I can identify with Gideon. Uh, you know, when when God called Gideon, he like looked around like, who are you talking to? Are you talking to me? And so a lot of times I kind of can feel what Gideon was probably feeling. I'm like, Lord, are you sure? And he threw some fleece out and said, Lord, let it be wet and let the grass be dry. And then he did the reverse of that and all those things. He was like testing God to say, are you really talking to me? Because if you are, do this. And I've done that before, folks. I've asked God, you know, what are you doing? Uh, but one of the great things about this story, if you remember, Gideon massed this really good-sized army, uh, and God told him, said, no, you've got too many people. And, of course, I'm paraphrasing here because of time. But uh, he told him, you've got too many men, so we've got to reduce these numbers because God didn't want these men to think that they had done anything God wanted them to understand that he was going to deliver them. And so there's some things in this scripture. I'm going to read this scripture, and I want you to see some of the scripture, some of the words that are used here because it's it's very interesting where we're going to go from here. So this is Judges 7. I'm going to start in verse 19. I'm going to read to 22. So Gideon and the hundred and the hundred men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning uh, in the middle of the watch, and they had but newly set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hand to blow uh, withal. And they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled and the 300 blew their trumpets. These 300 men that Gideon had blew their trumpets. And the Lord set, get this, the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. So these guys fought themselves. They turned their swords against each other and began to kill each other because of the confusion and the fear and everything that was going on, the panic. And God did all that. So remember that, that he turned every sword against himself. Because the Lord does the same exact thing at the Battle of Armageddon. Check this out. Ezekiel 38, verse 21. And I will call for a sword against him 
throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. So he's, he's going to do the same thing again. When the Lord does things, he does it in a way that just is mind-boggling. And these people, they're going to turn their swords on each other. They're going to uh, go crazy during the heat of that battle. And they're going to end up killing the armies themselves. Now, that brings me to another place where I want to show you the same thing. Because to me, this one is probably uh, my favorite out of all these. And and I need all my worship leaders that are out there listening today to perk up your ears and listen uh, because this is a really cool story. So I want to read this from Second Chronicles 20. So if you're a worship leader, God can use you. Watch this. Of course, he uses you. I'm just kidding, but I'm just going to show you this. It's really cool. So Second Chronicles 21, uh, 20 verse 1, it says, It came to pass... After this also, that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and uh, with them the other side of the Amorites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. So all of Israel and Judah came and stood in the midst of the Lord, and they cried out to him to save them. Uh, The scripture tells us that the Spirit of the Lord came before them and listened to what they said. So they had like this big prayer meeting because they were surrounded by their enemies. And they had this big prayer meeting. They all came together. And as they were there, the Spirit of the Lord came in there and gave them a word. This is awesome. So listen to this. This is Second Chronicles 20, starting in verse 15. And he said, Hearken ye, all of Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 16, Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle, Set yourselves and stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord and worshipped the Lord. The Lord spoke to them there. It's like... Um, came right in their presence and gave them this word not to be afraid. Now watch this. This is awesome. Jehoshaphat sends out the praise and worship team. This is incredible, folks. This is why praise and worship teams are so vital to uh, the Spirit of the Lord. And when you're uh, there and you're worshiping and you're, you're singing and you're lifting your hands and you're just there together in that congregation worshiping God. This is why those things are important. This Look at this. Second Chronicles 20, verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of his holiness. And as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire, which 
were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Sire utterly to slay and to destroy them. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Sire, everyone helped to destroy another. See, they turned their swords on each other and killed each other. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked into the multitude and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. Folks, do you, do you see this? Do you hear what I'm saying there? That They didn't have to lift a sword or shoot an arrow. They didn't have to do any of that. You know what they did? They went out and they sang praises to God. The worship team went out and they worshiped God. That's an incredible story. And this is the God we serve. If you think that that can only happen uh, in the Old Testament, well, think again. Because if you remember, there was a time when Paul and Silas had been arrested. They'd been arrested. They'd been beaten. They'd been put in stocks. They'd been put in prison. And this is in Acts uh, chapter 16. And it says that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. You remember that story? And so now we've got this guard that was over them scared to death because uh, he thinks, you know, he's going to be killed because they're going to escape. And Paul tells them, don't be afraid. Don't hurt yourself. But hey, take us with you. Let's go to your house. And they go back to this guy's house. And in the middle of the night, folks, wake him up and baptize his entire family. Tell him about Jesus and baptize the entire household and save this jailer's life by worshiping and giving praise to God their predicament went from being in bondage and jail to being free and spreading the gospel before they left town. I mean, that's that's what we need to be thinking about. That's what we've got to have our minds wrapped around. That's going to be our job in the end time, folks. Our job is going to be spreading the gospel. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He doesn't want us to be afraid of things. He wants us to be ready to do His will That's why it tells us in Matthew 6, that's why I talk about that scripture all the time, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you think about what what is God's righteousness even, you think about that, and the Bible tells us that we're made righteous when we're baptized in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus told John the day of his baptism, we do this to fulfill all righteousness. So we're supposed to be going out and doing exactly what the Great Commission says, baptizing all men in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Go out and find people and tell them about Jesus Christ and tell them. Tell them. It's, it's time. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. These are the things that the disciples did. It's the same thing that we're going to be doing. Look at our God. He fought for us in those times. He gives us these stories over and over again to let us know that we don't have to be afraid. It may look like we're facing death, and some of us may have to. The Bible tells us that. He who will go uh, into captivity will go into captivity. He who shall be killed by the sword shall be killed by the sword. There may be some of us that have to die 
uh, during some times that are coming up. But God tells us he never leaves us or forsakes us. And we've got these great promises that we'll get to be with him for eternity. So this Lord that fought for us, he's going to fight for us again. He's going to fight for Israel again. Um, and this this is only some of the battles that I told you about today. There's so many more uh, in the Bible that you can probably sit there and name some of them yourself today. But he's defeated every enemy, folks, including death and hell. And because of this... If we're born again, then we've got our sins washed away by calling on the name of Jesus. We get filled with the Holy Ghost, just like Scripture says, and we'll come back with Him to the Mount of Olives. We're going to be that army that comes back with Jesus. We're going to have on our fine linen. We're going to be on our white horses, and we're going to come back with the Lord, and we're going to get to watch the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in action. We get to see Scripture come to life. One of the really cool things about going to Israel when you get to go on the tours to Israel is you get to see these places where things are going to take place. You get to see what it, you know, the the very place, the Mount of Olives, the first day of the tour starts right there. You're at the Mount of Olives, you're looking over at the Temple Mount, and you're realizing this is where Jesus is coming back. This is where it's going to be. This is where this battle is taking place. We go to the Valley of Megiddo. We go down and see where that is on the tours. All these things, the Bible comes to life, and we have all these promises in the Lord God. I say it's time we get ready for evangelism, get ready to stand up for the Word of God, and get ready to tell people about this gospel, this great salvation that Jesus gave us. Thank you for joining me today. God bless you guys, and we'll see you again. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.